0: Hello, and welcome to the Wild Heart Meditation Center podcast. We release these episodes every week on Wednesday mornings, and the best way to support us is by clicking subscribe and taking a moment to rate the podcast wherever you are listening. If you'd like to support our efforts to keep the nonprofit Meditation Center open in Nashville, you can donate via Venmo by sending your donation to at wildheartnashville or you can make a donation through our website wildheartmeditationcenter.org by clicking the donate tab peace and love hope you enjoy Good morning, and and uh, welcome. This is the last day of last full day of the retreat, but I still want to say welcome because I'm sure there's still parts of you that are still arriving, and I'd like to welcome those in. As we like to say, I hope every one in here feels welcome and every part of everyone in here feels welcome. And as we rest in the silence, I feel like more and more parts of myself keep on showing up. Some of these pleasant, some of these unpleasant. And Maybe we can shift to make friends with all of these experiences today. one experience um, that I I didn't anticipate showing up and it's here is a great amount of grief Hmm. you know I was sitting at the mother house yesterday and I was was sitting at the couch in the lobby and just sitting and then I turned and there's a picture of the venerable Pantadipa and uh, I said it Yesterday, that he's uh, passed away about a week ago, and he was one of the abbots of Hartwood, and a teacher of mine. And I just turned and there's this beautiful picture of him, and, and it's like he's like looking right at me. and uh, a wave of, of grief arose, uh, feeling this heart center, feeling the, the tears, and I was just sitting on the couch crying, thinking about. You know, my teacher's passing. And just arriving fully in that experience and just embracing that, allowing that experience to be here because it wanted to be welcomed. So as I arrived at Heartwood, this grief arrived with me. And the messages the lessons in this grief that are actually quite beautiful in my experience. That I, I met with a friend in the Bodhi Hall and I was talking with this friend and, and I was sitting face to face with them. And right behind them, as we were talking, right behind them, I look and there's a picture of Panadipa again and it's like set up in an altar and and as I'm instructing this friend on you know retreat stuff, it was almost as if you know Panadipa was there with us, like looking after us and um, and that can mean many things, but i I do believe that that this Dharma is passed on and it's almost like we are paying respects to him right now. And the more we can come back to this dharma, to this loving kindness, it's a paying respect to the teachers before us and my beloved teacher, Venerable Panadipa. Hmm. So thank you for paying your respects and being here in whatever way that sees fit. It was beautiful. In like, the altar they have set up there, there there's his robes. And I got to touch his robes one last time. It was nice. And the variety of experiences that continue to arrive, not just the grief, but some of the playfulness. And I'm, I, I, I love this place. And I'm very comfortable in this place. And I, I feel like an authentic me comes out in all of its flavors. And then the playfulness comes out. And I don't know how many times I've walked through those doors to this meditation hall, maybe 200. (laughs) And on the way in, I see that little tiny Buddha in the yard out there. And he has this mudra. And it's like he has like his hands in a circle there and another circle there. And it's like three circles. I guess it's a mudra to kind of reference the three jewels of Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. But I'm like, that totally looks like a gang sign. And the the Buddha's flashing a gang sign at me. welcoming me into his gang (laughs) and you know so many references that i hold my sangha tight it's like yeah the buddha's holding me tight that's good and as we you know develop our our crews our families right i don't think it's exclusionary we want a big-ass family that welcomes all of it every single one of you and every single experience is welcome into this, uh, this Buddha family. So that's going to be the instructions for today. The instructions are how to befriend our own experience, loving kindness towards our direct experience. That we started the retreat with loving kindness towards a friend, Wishing loving-kindness towards this friend. May you be at ease, may you be at peace, may you be kind and gentle with yourself, may you be filled with loving-kindness and And having a way to start that it's easy to feel into this friendship. And we may discover what friendship feels like inside of our own hearts. And then we we stepped up the challenge a little bit yesterday as we wish loving-kindness towards ourselves. I be at ease? What's that like to, to shift from a friend to yourself? Taking that same amount of, of essence and bringing that essence of friendship towards yourself. And in the specific way that I instructed, in a concentration. Let's take a break from the mind for a while and really just ground ourselves in these phrases. Coming back, as the mind wanders, let's come back to the phrases. And hopefully you had some experience with that, whether that's pleasant, unpleasant, or neither. Because when we start to get space from this mind, we shift to be able to observe the mind and observe all experience without taking it so personally. So this concentration helps us not personalize experience, And at the same time, I want to shift today to befriend these experiences that we may be getting some space from and observing. So may I be at ease with the feelings that arise of grief. May I be peaceful with my playfulness. May I be kind and gentle with this painful body. May I be filled with loving kindness as these thoughts that may not be loving and kind arise in the mind. So this is the practice today. (coughs) Befriending all experience. It may be an exploration. It may be something that we come to discover on how to do. And um, the first day of this uh, retreat, getting settled in, I talked about how I ran into Sister Soma And um, when I ran into Sister Soma, I said, hey, what's up? Great to see you. And we're we're talking with each other. And it was like, oh, great seeing an old friend. And she was very welcoming to me and kind to me. And it's like seeing that old friend. And recently, I got LASIK done. So I'm not wearing glasses, if any of you noticed. (laughs) And then we went to dinner. And Sister Soma came up to me and was like, Mikey, I didn't realize that was you. (laughs) I was talking to you, had no clue. It's like, it was great to see you. And I, I was like, I had no clue you didn't know it was me. You were like extremely friendly to me, like we're old friends. And you had no idea that we were actually old friends. And this is the practice. Whatever arises in your experience may be an old friend you don't recognize. They may have taken off their glasses and you haven't noticed. (laughs) So you might as well treat it like it's an old friend. (laughs) Because what happens is our view shifts and we start to come to more realizations that Andrew gave the metta sutta last night, the lesson on how to practice loving kindness, very direct. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and knows the path of peace. I like to tell the, the prequel. This is the setup for the metasuta that I tell so often, but I think it's very helpful in this exploration of uh, bringing in friendship. So as the story goes, there there's 500 monks and nuns, meditators, that were going to that rain's retreat. Did you tell the story? No. No, OK. I'm going to tell it then. <laughs> we give so many talks together, I'm like, I don't know what we're doing. Um, so there's 500 monks and nuns during the three-month rain retreat that we're doing in three days. right? And as they went out to find a place to meditate, they went out into the forest, and they found this beautiful forest. And in this beautiful forest, it was a soft green grass for them to sit in meditation, these big trees that provided nice shade and crystal-clear water that they can drink from seemed like the perfect spot for them to meditate. So 500 monastics went to go meditate for three months in this forest. And when they went out to this forest, the forest was not too stoked on these meditators being there. They said, those are humans. Humans destroy everything. We need to get rid of them. So the trees released tree devas, these tree ghosts, these tree demons, to attack the meditators. So as they were sitting in this beautiful forest, a fog came over and the sky turned black and it got very cold and scary in that forest. And in this darkness of this cold, scary forest, demons started to attack the meditators. They started hissing and screaming in their face, flecks of spit hitting their face. They started clawing at their skin, scratching at their skin, scraping till they bled as they sat there in meditation. They started ripping and tearing at their robes, attempting to rip these meditators limb from limb as they were attacked by these ghosts. And then they got up. Luckily, they all ran and made it out of the forest just in time. None of them were killed. And so these 500 groups of meditators went back to the Buddha. And said, that place is haunted. Like, what do we do? Like, we need to find a new place to go meditate. And this is where the Buddha gave the lesson on loving kindness. This is where we get this practice from of saying these phrases, radiating love and kindness, being kind and gentle, that sutta that Andrew gave last night. So as they're talking to the Buddha, you know, they're saying, like, yeah, we're we're trying to find a new place to go meditate, and you're going on and on and on about kindness and upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths in all directions, this motherly love. Like, what are you talking about? And then they put it together. They needed to go back out into the forest and practice loving kindness towards the very things they are afraid of. They wished loving kindness as these snarling Ghosts started coming at them, started scratching at them. They said, may, may you be at ease. <laughs> may I be at ease with you, ghost. May we be at ease. And may we be at peace. May we be kind and gentle with ourselves. And more and more as they started wishing loving kindness to the very things that were haunting them, what was previously a hindrance, now became an ally. And these ghosts started looking after the meditators. When it started raining, they, they, they covered the rain from the meditators. When they got hungry, the devas fed the meditators. When they got cold, they warmed the meditators. When they got tired, they gave a motivational talk to the meditators. That. The very thing that they thought was the problem was actually the thing that helped them. So this is what loving kindness can do for us. When we become at ease with whatever we're in relationship with, it shifts from a problem, a hindrance, to a supportive ally in our practice, room for discovery of what a genuine heart can give us. A very simple uh, example I give and it was very simple but very pivotal in my life was when i started meditating i was meditating in a, in a zen group and i was very young and everybody else was much older than me and much more experienced than me and um, they were very proper very zen very you know ritualistic for lack of a better term and they do all the proper things i didn't know what i was doing and they sit in a very upright posture, very still posture, very purposeful posture. And, and I got there and I'm a mess, you know, I was smelly, had this floppy blue mohawk with dreadlock rat tail down the back. And, and I, I tried to play the proper game, right? That We sat with our eyes open too. So I wanted to remain completely still because i didn't want to disrupt the meditation so i sat there and very still in my proper meditation posture trying to fit in with all the meditators and then what happens i get an itch on my nose Fuck. okay how can i do work with this i got an itch this is terrible oh i hate this itch okay but i want to be still so i'm gonna be still oh so everything in me was just like this is the worst moment of my life i have this itch and it's destroying me right now and it became a big hindrance in my life oh but maybe i can shift my relationship to this maybe i can turn towards this itch and be kind accepting and loving come on in itch let's see what you have to offer And everything in me wanted to just go like that, but I wanted to remain still. So I turned towards it, and I felt some numbness around my cheeks, a sharpness on the tip of my nose. And I just observed kindly, may I be at ease with this itch. May I be at ease with this itch. And then my relationship shifted. Oh, I can actually be with my itches. Wow, what what a powerful thing to discover. I can be with this. It's okay. I can be kind and gentle with the itches of my life. And of course, the itch eventually went away all on its own. Nothing I needed to do. So I discovered a, a few things in this very simple practice of being at ease with something just so simple as an itch. That is not necessarily the itches that are my hindrance. It's my attitude towards the itches that are my hindrance. And I also discover that life has a tempo. All things arise and pass. And I started living with this insight, right? The itches of my life. I was one of those people that was in active addiction and, and meditating at the same time. And that's, that's a wild experience. I don't know if any of you experienced that. You get a, you get a lot of lessons real quick. And this was one thing. It was the itches of my life, that I can be present and kind with the itches of my life, that I go out into the world and I feel social anxiety. It's an itch I want to scratch. I want to have a drink real quick to scratch that itch of social anxiety. So I feel the craving arise in me for a drink. It it was like a roller coaster. I remember feeling that feeling of like I'm on the roller coaster. It's moving through me so rapidly. May I be at ease on this roller coaster of the craving arising in my body. May I be at ease with my mind that is caught in the anxiety of shame and self-hatred. And as I shifted, those arose that passed. And that's where I gained a sense of freedom, that I'm free to be with this experience. Normally we feel like what I've been taught freedom is, that I'll be free when things go my way. When that hurdle is out of the way, then. I'll run the race. When this goes my way, then I'll be free. And loving kindness helps us understand that your freedom is here all along. Don't wait, don't withhold your own happiness until things start going your way. It's happiness here and now by changing our relationship with whatever is here. Whatever's in the way is the way. There's only what's loved and what's longing to be loved, like Andrew talked about last night. So whatever is here is longing for your love. Hmm. I feel nice talking about these things. Thanks for listening to me. I feel like I'm talking a lot about my personal experience. I'm getting a lot out of this talk. (laughs) Therapy, thanks for being my therapist. I expect a full diagnosis at the end of this session. Um, Speaking of diagnosis, um, so there's a book that the Venerable Paniwadi uh, suggested to me, and I think a few people in here too, that there's this book called Heartwood of the Bodhi Tree. It's by Bhikkhu Buddhadasa. And uh, that's actually where this place gets its name. Heartwood Refuge is from this book called Heartwood of the Bodhi Tree. And in this book, he describes three different types of health that has been very beneficial to me. He describes that there's physical health, there's mental health, and then there's spiritual health. And through this process of understanding physical health, mental health, and spiritual health, I, I, I think I've found things that are Uh, A way to be merciful with life. On one end, physical health. Yeah, we want to have our physical health. But have you noticed these bodies are quite unreliable? (laughs) That they develop pain. They develop sickness. They develop aging. And uh, we will lose our physical health. As I said, people I love, they do pass. And what we want to discover is that it's not the, the physical health that's the problem, it's our relationship to the physical health. As we're in these bodies that have natural pain in them, can we be understanding? Yeah, the Buddha said there will be pain in this body. There will be aging, sickness, and death. Can I... Develop a friendly relationship with this body when it's in pain, because then I will learn. Then it will be the ally in teaching me the Dharma. When I shift from this sucks, my body's in so much pain, to, oh, I can be with this, it's okay. Being kind and gentle with this body that naturally experiences difficulty. And of course, I want to say, yes, we do have influence on these bodies. Yeah. Food we eat, some of it makes our uh, stomachs hurt. Yes, we can uh, work out and get a posture that's suitable for meditation. We can stretch. Of course, we have influence. And at the same time, we don't have control over these bodies. The difference of influence and control. Sometimes I think we take it too far and try to control these bodies rather than being a kind influence on these bodies. So with metta, we can have a physical aspect of metta, right? When we find ourselves and our shoulders are uptight, let's influence ease in the shoulders, softening the shoulders. When we find ourselves clenching our face, well, yeah, let's put ease in the face, softening the face. When the belly is tight, constricted belly, well, maybe we can soften up the belly, but sometimes the belly doesn't want to soften. Can we just be kind and gentle with the belly that is tight? If it wants to be tight, let it be tight. You know, I, I last time, I don't. Two times ago, I talked about this Mr. Rogers type meta. It's you I like. It's you. I like not the clothes you wear not the way you do your hair but you I like the way you are right now the way down deep inside you not the things that hide you not your toys they're just beside you but it's you I like I could sing that to my belly sometimes (laughs) Belly you want to be tight. It's you I like (laughs) It's you I like the way you are right now (laughs) um, Yeah Be merciful with these bodies they will be in pain and I want to move on to the the mental health aspect of this and and looking at our our mental capacities sometimes um, that uh, Andrew talked about Mara, that when the Buddha sat in meditation and and had this opening of awareness and the opening of the heart and really the process that led to his awakening, he wasn't necessarily confronted with bliss and, and beauty. He was confronted with Mara, the devil, the demon. And that wasn't a problem. I see you, Mara. Hello, Mara. And that's what led to his awakening, seeing and knowing Mara very clearly. And I like some of the stories that Tara Brack and Technot Han talk about, and Andrew brought it up briefly. And I feel like I should tease it out Tea with Mara, very popular story. And so it was after the time of the Buddha's awakening, and he was a well established teacher, and he had his um, monastery set up, and people would come and visit him at his monastery. And th- As different people came to visit the Buddha at his monastery, his assistant Ananda was kind of the person that was the the checking in and checking out. And this particular day, good old Mara starts walking up to see the Buddha. And Ananda said, oh shit, Mara's here. (laughs) And Ananda, as Ananda saw Mara Walking up, he's like, you better get the hell out of here. I see you walking up here. Nope, get out, get away. And Mara keeps on walking up. He's like, yeah, I wanted to see the Buddha. I want to see my old friend. We had that awakening thing going on under the Bodhi tree. It was a good time. I want to go talk to him about that. And he's like, no way, you're evil. Like, get out of here. The Buddha doesn't want to see you. And he's like, no, I'm pretty sure the Buddha wants to see me. Uh, and then Ananda goes, no, you're the enemy of the Buddha. And Mara goes, you're telling me the Buddha's got enemies? And then Ananda was like, well, you got a point. I don't think the Buddha has many enemies. Let me me go see what the Buddha uh, thinks about this. And Ananda goes to the Buddha and says, you never believe this. The evil one is out there. The devil is out there. Mara is here to see you. And the Buddha says, bring him in, my old friend Mara. And then they come in and he makes tea for Mara and they hang out and they're chatting it up, having a good time drinking their tea. And they all remember when you shot those arrows of hatred in my mind. That was, that was amazing. Good try on that one, buddy. And, and then, I'll remember when those naked ladies were dancing. That was quite a sight. Thanks for that one. But I wasn't going to fall for that. I was still wanting to meditate. I remember when you tried to like convince me to not wake up? <laughs> That was wild. Thanks, Mara. Thanks. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, they had a lovely evening of drinking tea together. So this is our day of having tea with Mara, as your Maras of your mental capacities show up. Oh, yeah, these thoughts will arise. Because I think um, this concept of self-love, that's a very popular concept in the modern world, why I like it I think there's still room for discovery on what the hell we mean by self-love and for me in my process of discovery and what that even means I think that we want to develop a self-love that can be with self-hatred right like sometimes we think self-love is the absence of thoughts of self-hatred it's the absence of Mara but for me I think self-love is the willingness to see that self-hatred and say I can love you too I can love you too, self-hatred. Yeah. I like how Andrew's been calling us the community of the brokenhearted. And I like the shout-out to my Dharma name, Rogahari Sukutira. that was given to me by Panadipa and Panyawadi. And how this means healer of the brokenhearted. And I remember when I was given this name, uh, Paniwada even said, you're going to be given a Dharma name and odds are at first you're probably not going to like it. That <laughs> just tends to what happens because she's like challenging people. And I think she challenged me with this name, Healer of the Broken Hearted. Because for me, I don't think we really need to heal. Brokenhearted is good enough. Actually, I think it's even more beneficial to have a broken heart because your heart's at least open now. You may have not opened it on purpose, but here it is. So let's live with this open broken heart. Let's not try to heal it. Because in my cases of healing, and I could be wrong about this, I, I, I've made a big mess out of things trying to heal my broken heart rather than loving and honoring and having that allyship with this broken heart. Because in my experience of brokenheartedness, if I fully know that brokenheartedness, It opens my heart up to the entire world. If I know that grief in me, I know the grief in you. If I know my sadness, I know the sadness of the world. If I know my anger, I know the anger of the world. And if I can be in a loving space with my broken heart, I can be in a loving space of the brokenheartedness of the world without committing to greed, hatred, and violence. I can be with the world with love. So expanding this broken heartedness and seeing all the characters in our broken heart. I love that story last night. Mr. Grumpy? Mr. Grumpy? Yeah. Make space for Mr. Grumpy, huh? That these characters of our heart start showing up. That we all have our Maras, and some of them are interesting characters. I'm on this, like, I don't know I keep on talking about like child stuff like Mr. Rogers but uh, Sesame Street I love Sesame Street too I still love Sesame Street today to be honest I'm like a big kid and something I feel like Sesame Street spoke to me that they have Oscar the Grouch That this grouchy monster that lives in a garbage can that hates everything they're still friendly to Oscar the Grouch they're not like Oscar the Grouch you're terrible cheer up pal it's like yeah Oscar the Grouch he's part of our community so let your internal Sesame Street live you may have an Oscar the Grouch in you you may have a big bird in you you may have that playful Elmo what's that TikTok the plastic water bottle the paper towel roll nobody's seen that oh my gosh I don't even have TikTok I think like people just know I love Sesame Street well it's this whole song that Elmo sings um, don't look it up. Wait till after the retreat. <laughs> but yeah, we, the, the Sesame Street of our heart, right? And I'm very grateful that they welcomed in. Yeah, your heart may be grouchy. That's okay. You're you're welcome on Sesame Street. So as I go over physical health, go over you know mental health. Um, that spiritual health is something that we want to acknowledge too. That our, our physical health may be unreliable by nature. It's impermanent. It's changing constantly. We're we're feeling good one second, then the next second we're back in pain, and then we're feeling good, and then we're back in pain. Yeah, that's kind of what it's like to have a body, right? And then our our mental health. man, Some days we may be Mr. Uh, Mr. Grouchy, and then other days we may be Big bird right and then we find this spiritual health that is reliable that can be fairly more consistent that spiritual health may be many things to many people but for me it's about relationship that if i develop a relationship within myself with the external world that is peaceful i will live in a peaceful place as the worldly winds arise and pass I can rest in my spirituality to be consistent that I can find a peace that is uh, not reliant on the conditions of the world. The conditions of the world are rising and passing and changing. Sometimes it's awesome, sometimes, sometimes it's not so much. But in my spiritual life I can find peace among the change because I can be with the pleasure with gratitude, I can be with the pain, with compassion, the consistent peace. Um, While I'm talking about names, that my first Dharma name was Angyo, which means peacemaker. and uh, That my teacher would often say that we remain peaceful in our unpeacefulness, that the world will be unpeaceful sometimes. These bodies will be unpeaceful, these minds will be unpeaceful. Let's remain peaceful with our unpeacefulness. That peace isn't necessarily the absence of conflict. Peace is a way to be with these conflicts. That the heart will be conflicted sometimes. Let's, let's be with peace. And we can stay in that consistent, reliable peace of the spiritual life. So I'm not saying like, that we find a peace absence of reliance on conditions as a way to like, diss the conditions of the world not say, oh, the world sucks because it's unreliable. I'm so spiritual. But it's the active engagement with life as it arises and passes, active engagement with the conditions of the world that we lean into whatever is in front of us with ease, rather than just hiding, saying, oh, the conditions of the world are painful, changing, unreliable. Yeah, they are. and. If we meet that with peace, that will be the ally that shows us meta. So I want to move into a a little bit of describing what this practice will be. What I want to do in a technical way of practicing loving kindness uh, that we befriend our experience, it's the same phrases I want to use. May I be at ease? May I be at peace? May I be kind and gentle with myself? May I be filled with love and kindness. But yesterday we did more concentration, right? Let's not go into those thoughts. The thought that goes, "Ah, oh, fuck, when I slam the door. Let's not do that. Let's not go there. Let's go to the phrase. Today, I want to open it up a little bit. May I be at ease. And when the mind says, oh, fuck, or my mouth says, oh, fuck, may I be at ease with that reactive Pressure. Because I think it takes us on an exploration. When we, you know, oh, may I be at ease with that? Oh, fuck. I can see that there was a tenderness there. In that story, when I was talking about what brought me to that, oh, fuck spot, was this like concern. I wanted Sister Soma to like me, I wanted her to honor me as a teacher, I wanted her to trust me. And then I slammed the door, and it's that fear. Oh, she's not going to trust me. And then I can have loving kindness towards the thought of aggressiveness and the tenderness of fear. And I can hold space for all of it. And and we rest in a peaceful place. So may I be at ease with this experience. May I be at ease with. And in this fathom long body lies the world cause of the world, cessation of the world, and the path to the end of suffering. So we take our awareness inward and see how we receive this world. And as the internal and external collide, as we meet this world, let's meet this world with kindness as we receive the world, receiving the world with kindness. And one way we receive the world is sight. May I be at ease with this sight. Have you seen any sites on this retreat that have one way or the other? Have pushed and pulled <laughs> you to pleasure or pain? Um, one site I, I saw, I had I had some bugs in my bathtub. Just out of nowhere. There's a bunch of bugs. And I was like, oh, that that's gross, you know. Well, I showed Andrew. I said, Yeah, show Marika. Andrew was like way more like, ooh, like Marika was like, I want to see that. Like She like leaned in and was like, oh, there's bugs. <laughs> but me and Andrew were like, ugh. <laughs> may I be at ease to the ugh of, of witnessing bugs in the bathtub? Oh, may I be at ease? And then I was like, OK, I've taken the precepts. I'm not going to kill these bugs. So I just shut the door. And like, bugs, you settle it. You do what you do. <laughs> But I shit you not, I went back a couple hours later, and the bugs were all dead in the bathtub. And it was like, oh, this is so sad. There's like dead bugs everywhere. Yeah, so may I be at ease with the sight of these dead bugs. (laughs) Mm. The sounds. May I be at ease with the sounds. The birds chirping. Oh, Quite pleasant. May I be at ease and fully appreciate the birds chirping. I don't know about you, but uh, what's the smoke alarms? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, There's been a few rooms that have some eek, eek, eek going on in the middle of the night. We did that on purpose, (laughs) I think, right? right? Just to keep you in check. Because we need a little bit of suffering, right, To, to practice with. So may I be at ease. You wake up in the middle of the night, eek, may I be at ease, may I be at ease, with. This unreliability of sound. the tastes, the beautiful tastes, that Cambodian food yesterday. Oh my gosh, May I be at ease with this delicious Cambodian food where um, appreciation comes in. Can we appreciate every bite? And really, like, appreciation and gratitude lead us to, like, an interconnection of insight. That if I have full respect to the Cambodian food, rather than, like, this is good, yum, 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 and pause and enjoy it, to really think, like, how awesome it is, how much work that this, you know, beautiful practitioner came from Cambodia, brought her recipes, brought it to us, as an offering of the Dharma, it's like, wow! Can we just take refuge even in the food and how we can appreciate that? This is a beautiful act of karma, and appreciate that every bite, and all that goes into every bite. May I mean, be at ease with this delicious food. To be honest, I did yum 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 yum, but you know, maybe I'll take my own advice in the next one to slow down and appreciate the food and all that goes into it. May I be at ease with all the smells that arise. Yesterday I I said I think I, I smell like I'm on vacation. Like I kind of like sweat a lot. We're out here. It's nice and out. It's hot out. We're walking the lake and I put sunscreen on. So I had this like actually quite pleasant smell of like B.O. and sunscreen that reminds me of like I'm on vacation. May I be at ease with this smell that takes me to like a fun place. Oh, yeah. I remember being like a kid with sunscreen on. I'm at Disney World all of a sudden. Smelliness. May I be at ease with that fond memory and that fond smell? So, this is the practice opening up the heart to be at ease with whatever. Love whatever. Love whatever. This? Love that. What is this of that? This is the training to incline the mind to volitionally meet all experience, whether it's a sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, or thought, meet it all with ease, peace, gentleness, and love and kindness. So I think, yeah, we have plenty of time. Yeah, we have plenty of time. How about we do uh, just a formal sitting practice, and I'll guide you through this. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, we have a request for a little stretch. So let's take five minutes.